This is the Hui Kala Baptist Church podcast, coming to you from the heart of Honolulu, Hawaii. Hui Kala is a dynamic family of faith committed to solid Bible teaching, discipleship, and helping you grow in your faith. Grab your Bible and prepare to dig deep into the Word with Pastor Anthony King. Grab your Bibles, turn to the book of Philippians, chapter number two, if you would. Uh, we're continuing our series entitled Magnify Jesus. If you've missed any of the messages so far, don't get caught up on our website uh, or th- our podcast or through the Hui Kala app. If you have the Hui Kala app, I would encourage you to, uh, if, you have, if you haven't got it downloaded to your smart uh, device that you have, because you can take notes uh, for today's message. You can follow along in the notes for today's message uh, through that. Uh, just click on podcast, uh, today's message. Click on uh, fill in notes. It'll open up a browser where you can type your notes in there. Uh, that would be amazing if you want to take notes that way. Other just, otherwise, just jot some thoughts down as we go through this passage. Uh, I think today's message will be really, really helpful for you. I know it was helpful for me uh, as I was studying through this passage of Scripture this morning. Philippians chapter 2 is where we're at. Uh, this is message number 33 in our series. So if you're uh, behind, if you've got plenty of time to get caught up, we're going to be here for a while. How about that? We've been in uh, Philippians for about a year now, and we, we, we cracked uh, chapter number two, and we're uh, cruising right along there. Uh, I, I will say, if you're looking, if you're one of those people that likes to make a lot of forward progress, you're going to be disappointed because we're just going to stay in verse number seven here today. Uh, but uh, I'm really excited about uh, today's message. I've been told today's message is the life of a bond slave. And so take some good notes uh, here this morning. Philippians chapter two, just by way of, uh, of reminder, uh, the book of Philippians was written to the church at Philippi. It was a church that Paul had started from scratch on his second missionary journey. Uh, was, uh, the city of Philippi is in the area of Greece, southern Greece. And so on Paul's second missionary journey, he started uh, the church at Philippi. He pastored it for a little bit, went on and started some more churches. Uh, Paul finds himself in prison uh, at the beginning of uh, the book of Philippians, and he writes a letter back to the church that he pastored. I just encourage them to keep up the good work and and keep on doing what they're doing, and just really to have a right mindset uh, as well. So that's where we find ourselves this morning. We're going to start Philippians chapter 2, verse number 1 through verse number 8. We're really going to focus on verse number 7 this morning, though. So Philippians chapter 2. Starting in verse number one. If therefore be any consolation in Christ, if any comfort of love, if any fellowship of the Spirit, if any bowels and mercies, fulfill ye my joy, that ye be like-minded, having the same love, being of one accord, of one mind. Let nothing be done through strife or vainglory, but in lowliness of mind, let each esteem other better than themselves. Look not every man on his own things, but every man also on the things of others. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who being in the form of God, thought it not robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation, took upon him the form of a servant, was made in the likeness of men. Being found in the fashion as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. Last week, we looked a look at, took a look at one phrase there uh, in verse number seven, but made himself of no reputation. We took a look at the Greek word ekonese, which means to, to empty. And that's sometimes referred to that verse number seven as the kenosis passage. Now, the word kenosis means to empty or to purge. And we saw that Jesus Christ never laid aside his deity. He never stopped being God uh, for the purpose of coming to this world. He only laid aside some of his privileges of deity uh, to become man. Today, we're gonna take a look at another phrase in that verse took upon himself the form of a servant and so when we take a look at that Jesus became a servant for us uh, so that he could come and be humbled to the death of the cross it's interesting when we look at Christianity today so many times we don't like the idea of becoming a servant or becoming uh, having a master having a lord many times people come to Christianity 
Christianity for what they can get out of it. They look at Christianity as, hey, I can get my ticket punched to heaven. I'll have a a, a father who cares for me, takes care of me, gives me what I need. Uh, God's always there just a prayer away to make sure that all my needs are met and everything's taken care of. And he's always looking out for me. and He's going to give me all the good stuff that I want from life. And if I want to be rich, God's going to make me rich. If I want to be healthy, God's going to make me healthy. If I want to be wise, God's going to give me all the wisdom that I need. And, and, And we get into Christianity sometimes for what we can get out of it. But when we begin to look at the Bible, really the idea of Christianity as being something we can get is really the opposite of what Christianity is about. It's not about us and what we can get. It's about our opportunity now to be in service to our Heavenly Father. This passage is no different because it starts off in verse number five. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. And then it goes on to tell us what Jesus Christ has done Let's take a look at uh, verse number uh, uh, seven this morning. But he made himself of no reputation and took upon himself the form of a servant. That word servant is really critical. Uh, In the New Testament, when Paul wrote this letter to the church at Philippi, uh, and really the New Testament was written in the Greek language, the word that Paul used for that word servant is the word doulos. Now, the word doulos is found 127 times in the New Testament, and every single time it's found, it literally means the word slave. Now, in our English translation, the the King James, New King James, doesn't matter what version of the Bible you're using today, you're going to find that word servant. But if you were to take a Greek lexicon or a Greek dictionary and look up the word doulos, it only means the word slave. That's all it means. And so when we look at this, we can really use those words interchangeably, servant, slave, uh, mean exactly the same thing. And you might say, well, why do they use the term uh, servant instead of slave? I want to be very, very clear here and say this. The Bible is perfect without error. It's perfect from cover to cover. It doesn't need any revisions or changes or or updating or anything along those lines. God's word is God's word and it always will be. And God has promised to preserve his word to all generations. So please understand this when I say that God's word is perfect. But anytime we translate from one language to another, there's going to be words that get used that don't maybe pack as much punch, uh, maybe don't uh, translate exactly word for word on exactly what we're looking for. And that's kind of where we find ourselves with this word, uh, doulos. Uh, If you're fortunate enough to speak more than one language, I don't, I struggle with English. And so uh, if you speak more than one language, you'll probably know that maybe in your native language, you say, oh, what's the English word for that? And you're trying to figure out what exactly word translates. Well, it's kind of this, but it's kind of not. uh, And it means this. The word doulos being translated to the word servant isn't really a great translation. Let me just say it that way. Now again, I'm not casting aspersion on the Bible or saying that the Bible's wrong or got anything wrong. It's just the translation work that was done here uh, left a little bit to be desired, I would say. And again, uh, this is not a King James issue. If you look at every single major English translation, it uses the word servant instead of slave. A lot of this had to do with the fact that the, the King James Bible, uh, which was one of the first major English translations, uh, was finished in the year 1611. Uh, 1611 would have been around the time that really just a few years removed from slavery being abolished in Europe. Up until that point, probably 700 AD till about 1535 or so, slavery was common practice. It had a very, very ugly uh, history, as you can imagine. Uh, and slavery had kind of been abolished and put to the side. So uh, I, I, I'm just guessing I'm, in, in terms of the way that I think. I think when they went to translate this word, slavery had such a negative, nasty, ugly, filthy connotation that they said, servant is probably a better word here, and they used that word. 
Now, again, I think if we take a look at our American history, and we take a look at the nastiness that is slavery, slavery has a terrible, awful, terrible uh, connotation with that word. It's ugly, it's nasty, it's filthy. We don't want to be associated with that in, way, in any way whatsoever. But we can't get around the fact that when the Holy Spirit told Paul to write this letter, he used the word slave. We can't get around the fact that when Jesus Christ would often use the word servant, he would use the word slave in its place. And you can't get around that meaning. So for us, we really just need to shift our mindset and and really understand the biblical understanding of what it means uh, to be a slave. It's interesting that they, the translators chose the word servant because there are six words in the Greek language that could be used for the word servant. Uh, and it's typically one who serves or one who helps or uh, one who even comes alongside of and things along those lines. Uh, one of the Greek words that's used for the word servant is the word diakonos, uh, which is where we get our word for deacon. Uh, and the word diakonos literally means one who waits tables. And Jesus uses these two, two words in one verse in Matthew chapter 20, verse number 26. He says it this way. He says, but it shall not be so among you. Whosoever shall be great among you, let him be your minister, diakonos. Whoever will be chief among you, let him be your servant or slave, the word doulos. So again, these words might be sometimes used interchangeably in an English context, but the way that they were written, these words specifically meant something. And we can't get around that. Uh, and we really need to dig in and say, why are these words here? What does that word mean? How is it different to be a minister or a servant? Uh, because being a minister and being a slave are two different things uh, as well. Again, the, uh, the word diakonos, in other words, that are used for service, one who waits tables, one who uh, is able to come alongside, one who can be a help uh, or in service to. The word doulos, you just cannot get around it. It means slave. So again, I don't believe that we need to be uh, masters in Greek and Hebrew to be able to get the full understanding of the Bible. I do think that we can find clarity when we study out Scripture. Uh, That's why, again, the Bible says, study to show yourself approved unto God. Uh, The more that we dig into the Bible, the more that the Bible will come alive to us, no doubt about it for sure. Man, back when I was a teenager, I remember we had a Strong's Concordance in our bookshelf uh, at home, a big, huge, thick book that basically had every word in the Bible, where it could be found, what it meant, what it connected to, and things along those lines. Uh, Thankfully, you can download an app for free on your phone now to to have a concordance to be able to look up these words, find out what they mean, find other places that they're used uh, in the Bible as well. But when it comes to being a slave, a slave is a person who's legally owned by someone else whose entire livelihood and purpose was determined by their master. Now, today's message is going to be unique because looking at how Jesus Christ made himself a bond slave, but we also have to look at the idea that let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. That not only was Jesus make himself a slave to the Father, but you and I are also called to be bond slaves to the Father. Again, that word doulos or bond slave means one who is literally connected to another person or tied off to another person. And the idea was this, that you would be tied off to your master, that you didn't have the opportunity to go freely and do what you wanted. You were always connected to your master and there was no separation whatsoever. During the era era of Roman rule, during the Roman Empire, it was estimated that possibly one in two people under the Roman Empire would be a slave of some sort. 
Now, again, when we think of, of slavery, it's probably one of the darkest areas in all of American history, for sure. But slavery in biblical times was a little bit different. Uh, folks who uh, owed a debt that they could not pay would often be indentured to service or slavery to pay off their debt. And they would do that for a period of time and become the property of someone else and uh, basically be at their beck and call to be able to uh, do the work that they were called to do to pay off their debt that they had. Oftentimes, people would volunteer to become slaves because uh, their, their uh, living conditions were so poor. Uh, for example, if someone was homeless or had no money, they could volunteer to be a slave, and that made sure that they would get food and get housing and have the opportunity to do something with their life uh, by being in service to another person. So oftentimes, people would volunteer to become bond slaves. Slavery is never... Um, vilified in the Bible. The Bible tells you, uh, especially in the New Testament, how servants uh, should treat their, slaves should treat their masters and how masters should treat their slaves. And uh, again, it doesn't say that slavery is okay or that we should continue in slavery today. It just goes on to show that God's plan was never to upend our social system and the way that we do things, but God wants to fix a spiritual problem, which in effect affects all of our social systems that we have uh, under the sun. But Slavery in the Bible, way different than, than slavery that we have today. Even in the uh, Old Testament, in the book of Exodus, there were, was uh, rules and guidelines if you owned slaves. You could own a slave for up to six years, and at the end of that six year, you had to set them free. Uh, if they had gotten married or had children underneath uh, that, their, their slavery term that they had, the whole family ended up being set free as a result of it. I remember as a, as, a, as a kid, I was probably nine or 10 years old or so, and uh, I, I was uh, young and dumb, I guess you could say, and I, was, I, I really enjoyed watching MTV and pop music and stuff like that. And I asked my dad, uh, as a, I was probably nine or 10 years old, because I was probably in fifth grade, Dad, I want to get my ear pierced. Dad said, nope, not going to do it. Now, this was probably two years after I was a big Michael Jackson fan that I wanted a permed mullet, and my dad wouldn't let me do that either. He said, Boys don't get perms. And if you're a guy who has a perm, I'm not against you today. I'm just telling you what my dad said, okay? And my dad also said, boys don't get their ears pierced. And so I thought I was going to be really smart. And so uh, I found a passage in the Bible, uh, in the, the book of Exodus, where uh, Moses had gone up, got the Ten Commandments, and came down. And the children of Israel had, had built a golden calf. And what did they do? They, they, they told everybody to break off the earrings in their ears and throw them in the fire. And so I told my dad, look, in the Bible, God's chosen people had earrings. And so there's nothing wrong with that. My dad always one step ahead of me, always. Flip to another passage in the book of Exodus that says, if you have a slave for six years, at the end of six years, you have to let him go free. But if they choose to stay, if that slave chooses to stay in your house, then you take your, their ear and you put it up on a doorpost and you ram a nail through their ear to show that this person is now a voluntarily a slave. So dad said, if you want a hole in your ear, I'll be happy to give it to you. Put your ear on a doorpost, ram a nail through there, and that'll just prove that you belong to me forever. Needless to say, I didn't take him up on that opportunity, but... Uh, I always think of that when I, I read that passage in Scripture. But at the end of six years, you had to let your, your slave go. But they could willingly choose to stay if they wanted to. And if they did, they had to get marked on their, on their earlobe uh, to prove that this is property of a person, but they've chosen to stay of their own volition. So slavery in the Bible, a little bit differently. Oftentimes, slaves would be treated better than even free men. And again, that's why people would often volunteer to become slaves because, again, uh, they got three square meals, they got a place to, to sleep tonight, have somebody taking care of them and looking out for them, and all they have to do is to serve. So when it comes to the idea of being a child of God, 
out of being saved or born again, that the moment that you and I are saved, we're now not only adopted into the family of God, but now we become slaves under God, the master. Some people look at that and they go, well, that's not such a great deal after. I mean, sure, I get my ticket punched to heaven. Sure, I'm get adopted into the family of God. Sure, I get all these things. But now, huh, now I'm purchased property that belongs to somebody. I don't really know if I want to do that or not. And many people struggle with submitting to the authority of God and placing themselves under him being the master and us being the slave. But here's the thing that everybody forgets. You're already a slave because we are born in slavery to sin. The second that you took your first breath, you were already a slave. Without Jesus Christ, you were never free. You've always been a slave to your sin. The book of Romans, especially chapter number six, details this so clearly for us. If you take a look at Romans chapter six, verse number 17, if you got it in your notes there, take a look at that passage. But God be thanked that when you were the servants of sin. Now that word servant, what do you think we could use in its place? Slaves. Because again, if you were to, to read that, when you were the servants of sin, that Greek word there, doulos, slave. When you were a slave to sin, but you've obeyed from the heart that form of doctrine which delivered you, then being made free from sin, ye became the servants of righteousness. So once you and I were born into this world, we were born as slaves to sin. The Bible says, for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. I've sinned, you've sinned. We were born sinners and we were born captive to our sin. And so there are people who say, I don't want to be under the lordship of God the Father. I don't want to obey him. I don't want to listen to what he has to say. I just want to do my own thing. Friend, you're already a slave. It's just a matter of who's your master. And please understand this, you will always be under authority to someone. That goes in life and in our spiritual life as well, always. I remember uh, Angela and I, when I uh, separated from the, the Navy and got out of the military, we started our own business. I thought to myself, I don't want to have to answer to anybody. I want to be able to set my own hours, do my own things. I want to go to work. I want to go to work. I don't want to go to work. I don't want to go to work. And so we became small business owners. And guess what? We got to call the shots, except for our landlord who told us what we could and couldn't do with our property except for the lady in the parking garage who told me how much I had to pay every day when I came in, except for the state of Hawaii who I had to pay uh, taxes to, who I had to abide by their guidelines, who I had to get business registration forms for and stuff like that. Uh, I was still subservient to the United States government and the uh, Internal Revenue Service. I still had to pay taxes. And guess what I found? Well, I might think that I'm in charge. I'm not really in charge. I'm always going to be under someone's authority somewhere. When it comes to the spiritual life, the exact same thing is true. You might say, well, I don't want to submit to God. Great, then you've submitted to sin as your master. You've submitted to this world as your master because everybody answers to someone and we are born in slavery to our sin. We're also born in slavery to this world and the way that the world thinks and the way that the world operates and the, the, the mindset of the world. We're born subservient to that and we make ourselves slaves to that. You see people chasing things that this world says will bring happiness, whether it be uh, fame or status or cars or money or education or a bigger house or a nicer vacation or something along those lines. And we see ourselves chasing status. You know why? Because you become a slave to this world and it's calling the shots and you're just doing what you're told. Friend, you will always be a slave to someone. The question is, who's your master? We're born automatically in slavery to sin, but we don't have to stay that way. Because by faith and repentance, we can be, here's a beautiful Bible word, redeemed. 
Friend, you are a sinner. You have broken God's law. You are in danger of God's wrath and judgment. If you die in your sin and with sin as your master, you will pay for all of eternity in a place called hell that burns with real fire and there's no second chances, no getting out. That's what you deserve. That's what I deserve. That's what happens when sin is your master. You'll stand before God. It's appointed unto man once to die and after that the judgment and then you will get what's coming to you is the way that God designed things and we deserve to go to hell. But God loves you too much to allow you to go to hell. God loves you too much to allow you to die in your sin without giving you another opportunity. So he sent his son Jesus to die in your place. That the debt that you owe, Jesus was willing to pay that. You owe God death. Jesus died in your place. You owe God punishment. Jesus was punished in your place. You deserve God's wrath on your life. Jesus took God's wrath for you. And if you're willing to put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, if you're willing to submit under the authority of God the Father and say, I believe I'm a sinner. I believe I've broken God's law. I believe that Jesus Christ is the only way to heaven and I'm asking him to save me and forgive me of my sins. Friend, you could be saved today. And by faith and repentance, you are, again, beautiful Bible word, redeemed. You know what the word redeemed means? It means to be purchased back. And you and I, were living under the master of sin. We're living under the master of this world. The Bible goes so far as to say that we are of our father, the devil. We're the children of wrath, the children of disobedience. And God was willing to make a payment to purchase us back, to be his, to belong to him. Mark chapter 10, verse number 45. Verses in your notes, if you got your notes handy for... Even the Son of Man came not to be ministered unto, but to minister. Now pause for just a second. That word minister in the Bible doesn't mean a guy who wears a backwards collar or a guy who stands and reads the Bible from a pulpit. It doesn't mean he's a guy who lights candles and uh, all that other stuff. The word minister means servant. That's what it means. But again, the word that's used here for, for minister, diakonos. The Son of Man didn't come for people to wait on him hand and foot. He came to wait on other people hand and foot. That's the word that's used there. So the Son of Man came not to be ministered to, but to minister. And here's the beautiful part, to give his life ransom for many. You see, a payment had to be made for you because you were a slave to sin. Somebody had to pay. And Jesus was willing to come and to give his life as a ransom payment for your sin to purchase you back to allowing God now to be your master. First Timothy chapter two says it this way, for there's one God and one mediator between God and men, the man Christ Jesus, who gave himself a ransom for all to be testified in due time. Gave himself a ransom for all to purchase us back. Galatians chapter four, verse number four says it this way, when the fullness of time was come, God sent forth his son made of a woman made under the law to redeem them that were under the law that we might receive the adoption of sons. Galatians four, verse number five is so thick. It'll make your head explode if you stop and process it. That Jesus Christ came, was born of a woman, born under the law, which means he was subject to every regulation that God the Father had ever set for you and I, and he fulfilled them 
perfectly so that he could redeem us, purchase us back from the slave market of sin, not only to become slaves to God, but also to adopt us into the family of the Father. Oh my goodness, that's so good. That we weren't bought just as property that get to work, do this, do that. No, no, no. We were bought to be slaves in that capacity, but we get to have a seat at the table. We get to be served by the Father. We get to eat from the same food that the household eats out of. The Bible goes so far, it's so beautiful, that we are joint heirs together with Jesus Christ. That means God is our Father, Christ is our brother, and everything that Jesus has at his disposal is ours too. So we're not just slaves. We're not just purchased property. We're not just the scum of the earth. No, no, no. We are purchased property, but we're given a status of sons and daughters. John chapter 1, to them gave he power to become the sons of God, even to those that believe on his name. Not only are we bond slaves to our master, but we're also sons and daughters too. Why? Because God says, I know what it's going to cost to buy you, and I'm willing to pay that price. Think about it like God's willing to make a negotiation with your current master. How much would it cost to buy that soul from sin? Well, God already has the price set. You know what he said? The wages of sin is what? Death. (laughs) So for God to purchase you and me, somebody's got to die. So God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. Redemption for you and I, for anyone who would put their faith and trust in Jesus Christ. But here's the thing, faith and repentance is what unlocks that redemption. If you want to say, hey, I want to keep being a slave to my sin. I'm not willing to put myself under the authority of the Father. I'm just going to do my own thing. Guess what? You're still on the hook for all of your sin. You're still a slave to your sin. You still have to pay that price because you have not been redeemed. You have not been purchased back you still are 100% liable for your own sin debt. But once we're saved, we now serve a new master. I no longer have to serve sin. I now get to serve the King of kings and Lord of lords. I no longer have to serve the system of the world. I now get to serve the system that my father has set up for me. Romans chapter six, again, this is, Romans chapter six, again, when you look at this, idea of the word servant being used as slave. Romans chapter 6, verse number 22, but now being made free from sin and become servants to God, again, slaves to God, the word doulos is used there. You have your fruit unto holiness and the end everlasting life for the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Oh, you've now been freed from the shackles of the master of sin in this world, and now you've been brought into service, slavery to a new master. Your old master, sin, the ends thereof are the ways of death. But your new master, he offers eternal life. This brings chaos, destruction. This one brings joy, fulfillment, love, peace, and eventually eternal life. So it's not like, got bumped from one master to another. No, no, no. You got, the day that you got saved, you got a massive upgrade in status. (laughs) Massive. And friend, it's not a 
bad thing to be a slave to the king. It's not a bad thing to be in service to our Lord and Savior. It's actually one of the best things in the world. Romans chapter 10, verse number nine says this. Turn to Romans 10, nine in your, in your Bible. I want you to see this. Because I want you in your Bible, if you're using a, an app on your phone, highlight this and whatever app you're using. But in your Bible, you need a circle, star, memorize this, commit this to memory because this could be a life-changing verse for you or somebody that you know. Romans chapter 10, verse number nine. This tells you how one can be saved, how you can be born again. And friend, if you've never been saved or born again, today is the day for you. All you have to do is be willing to put your faith in Jesus, repent of your sin, and be willing to submit to the authority of your father. Romans chapter 10, verse number nine. If thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus and shall believe in thine heart that God hath raised him from the dead, thou shalt be what? Saved. Now, here's the critical part. Some people say, well, I just have to confess Jesus, right? No, that's not what it says. If thou shalt confess with thy mouth, what? The what? Lord. That's a critical word. You can't skip that. It doesn't say just confess Jesus. <laughs> you know what the word Lord means? Anybody want to take a guess? Master. You cannot be saved without submitting to the authority and the lordship of God the Father. You can't do it. You cannot be saved without submitting to the authority and the lordship of Jesus Christ. You can't do it. But if you will confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus, you can be saved. Sometimes people say, well, what's the, what's the prayer I got to pray to get saved? What's the sinner's prayer that I got to say to get my ticket punched to heaven? There's not, a, there's not a prayer to pray. There's no one, two, three, repeat after me. There's no magic words that you say that automatically unlocks eternity for you. You must repent of your sin. The word repent means to change your mind and say, I've been wrong. I have broken God's law. And you must have faith. I believe that Jesus Christ is the son of God. And you must be willing to submit to his authority. He's the boss. Now, I'm not. That's, that's what frustrates me many times when people talk about the gospel and they use ambiguous terms. I went to a church one time that was not a solid Bible preaching church and only went there one time. But the pastor said, hey, how many of you want to turn it over to Jesus today? Raise your hand. What does that really mean? You know, turn it over to Jesus. We had a bunch of people raise their hand and want to turn it over to Jesus. Hey, let's give a hand to these people who just accepted Jesus today. I was like, whoa, 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 whoa. Uh-uh. We didn't talk about faith. We didn't talk about repentance. Turning it over to Jesus is not the same as submitting to his lordship and authority. Again, we've got to be very, very careful with that. But here's the thing you've got to get to. Jesus was talking to a group of scribes and Pharisees, and they said, oh, Lord, Lord, this, that, and the other. And he says, time out for a second, guys. Why do you call me Lord, Lord, but you don't do the things that I say? It's like you don't really know what that word means. Because you know what Lord means? It means master. And you can't be a master unless you own what? Slaves. That's it. And so I can't call Jesus Christ Lord unless I'm willing to submit to his authority. Unless he truly is Lord. And by submitting to his lordship and submitting to his authority is the only way that we can be saved. So Jesus Christ, you might say, oh, he's my Savior. Is he your Lord? 
does he really call the shots or do you? Is he really the master and you're the slave? Or is just Lord just a cute title that you have sometimes when you pray? Because when he says, I am Lord, he means I call the shots. I'm the boss. I'm the master. You're the slave. It's interesting, again, this word doulos that's used. You might remember in the book of Matthew that there's a centurion, Roman centurion that comes to Jesus and says, my, my kid's sick at home, could you heal him? And Jesus says, I'll be right there. He says, you don't even have to come. He says, I'm a man under authority. I tell this soldier to go and do this and he go and does it. And I tell my servant to come and my servant comes. You know what that word servant was there? Doulos. I tell my slave what to do and he does it. You know what that's a perfect picture of? Authority. And he says, I know that you have authority. All you have to do is say the word and it's done. He recognized the lordship of Jesus Christ. He says, hey, I'm a guy that bosses people around. I know how this works. And I know that you have all authority. All you have to do is say the word and it's done. And that Roman centurion recognized the lordship of Jesus Christ. It was such a big deal that God chose to record that interaction in Scripture for you and I to see what it's like when someone really trusts the lordship of Jesus Christ. All you got to do is say the word and it's done. Now, as we take a look at the life of a bond slave again, this applies to Jesus Christ's life, but it also applies to ours as well. First of all, a bond slave owns nothing. Slaves weren't allowed to own property. They couldn't buy a piece of land if they wanted to. They couldn't buy a cattle, livestock if they wanted to. They weren't allowed to like grow their own stuff or make their own way or have their own little side business that they had going on. They didn't have that opportunity. It goes so far as this, get this, that if I took out my wallet and handed a dollar bill to a slave, that slave can't take it for themselves. They have to give it to their master because they're not allowed to own anything. They're not allowed to take anything. You know why? Because they have no ownership rights in anything whatsoever. Hmm. Think about how, how that applies to you and I. If I'm a slave to Jesus, I don't own anything. My father owns everything. My master, my Lord, he's got it all. But me, myself, I, I, I don't own anything at all. I just take care of things for my master. We sometimes refer to that as stewardship. I don't really own anything. Everything belongs to the master, though. I don't own a car. My master owns a car, so I try to take really good care of it, make sure I change the oil, and take, make sure that keep it clean because, again, I want to look good for the master because it doesn't belong to me. I, I have a wife, but she's not my property. She actually belongs to the master, same master that owns me. And I want to love her and serve her and take care of her because she belongs to my master and I want him to be pleased with the way that I treat what belongs to him. God's given me four kids. They're not mine. They belong to him. And I want to raise them in such a way that they love their master the way that their dad loves the master. And I want to make them one day useful to the master so that the master can say, hey, these are really useful to me and the work that I have to do. I don't, have a, I don't have two nickels to rub together that belong to me. Every single dollar that I have to my name belongs to the master. And he gets to call the shots as far as what I do with it. I only want to do what with the things that I have, the things that my master would want me to do. Take a look at the parable of the talents that Jesus told in Matthew chapter 25. 
For the kingdom of heaven is as a man traveling into a far country who called his own servants. <laughs> what word do you think there is used for servants? Doulos, slave. He called his slaves and delivered unto them his goods. And to one he gave five talents, and to another two, and to another one, every man according to his several ability, and straightway took his journey. Did he cut these guys a check to do with what they wanted to while he was gone? Did he say, hey guys, here's some spending money while I'm out of town, do with it what you want to? No, he didn't. He said, here's my stuff, use it well while I'm gone. And when he came back, what did he do? He took a count. All right, guys, let's sit down and see what you did with my money. And that's why he was furious with the, the slave that had buried his talent. You took my money and stuck it in the ground? You could have took it to the bank, at least give me some interest off of it. But you wasted my money, you wicked and slothful slave. Because <laughs> that money didn't belong to the slave, it belonged to the master. He didn't get to pick and choose what he wanted to do with it because it wasn't his. And you and I, friend, anything that we have doesn't belong to us. It belongs to our father. Job summed it up perfectly in Job 121. You know what Job says? Hey, I know I've lost a lot, but naked I came into this world and naked shall I return. Blessed be the name of the Lord. <laughs> I came into this world naked. I didn't have nothing. And when I leave, I can't take anything with me. And everything that I have in this lifetime was given to me by the Lord. Blessed be the name of the, what? Lord, Master. The book of James goes so far as to say this, every good and every perfect gift cometh from above, from the Father of lights, in whom is no variableness, neither shadow of turning. Friend, if you have anything good in your life today, it was given to you by a Father that loves you. And I'm thankful that we don't have a master who wants to try to squeeze every bit out of work out of us if he can. We have a master who is also chosen to be our father, who loves us, who gives us good things, not only for us to enjoy, but also to glorify him. And friend, if you have anything good in your life, it wasn't what you've done. So many times we want to look at it and say, well, I started with nothing and I pulled myself up by my own bootstraps and brought myself to where I am today. Friend, you are a fool if you believe that. Because anybody who knows anything, can chime in with the Apostle Paul and say, I know in me that is in my flesh well of no good thing. And if I have anything good that came from my life, it's because God's been ridiculously gracious. I'm thankful to have a, a wife that loves me and loves Jesus and, and loves serving Jesus. And she and I made a decision 20 years ago that we were going to be bond slaves to Jesus. Whatever he told us to do, we were going to do it. But friend, I realize this. I married way over my head. God, our, our marriage, God has been so gracious to us. God has given us so much. And it's been a joy. But we realize that we have nothing God didn't give to us. Nothing at all. Next, a bond slave exercises no rights of their own. Did you know that a bond slave doesn't get to say, hey, I think I'm going to take a couple of weeks off and chill for a bit. A bond slave doesn't say, hey, early mornings are just too hard for me. Is it okay if I come in around 10 o'clock or so? A bond slave doesn't get to say, hey, I don't really want to do it that way. Maybe I could do it some other way. No, a bond slave says, yes, sir, on it, and gets the work done. A bond slave doesn't say, that whole sharing your faith thing, that's not really my thing. Maybe I could do something else. No, 
You do what you're told to do. Well, you know, the whole like interacting with other people, that's not really me. I'm more of an introvert. I don't really like talking with people. So maybe I could do something like I could come in on the weekends and like scrub toilets and that way I would, that would be my service to Jesus. That way I don't have to talk to anybody. No, you're welcome to scrub toilets too, but you're going to be plugged in with the body of Christ because that's what slaves do. They're part of a community of other bond slaves. That's what we do. Yeah, I don't really like that whole like praying every day thing. I think I'm going to like go out and surf and just connect with nature and that's going to be my way to like connect with God. No, you don't get to do it that way. You do it the way the master says that you do it. You rise early in the morning and you seek the Lord in every way in every day. You meditate on the word of God. You make God's word your guiding compass for life and you do only the things that please your father. Slave doesn't have the ability to do their own thing, go their own way. They say, what should I do today, master? What is it I should do today, Lord? A slave doesn't get the opportunity to just pick up and move somewhere because they think it would be cool. They say, hey, could the master use me over here? Could the master use me there? Is there a place where the master could use me to a greater degree? Is there a way that could be more useful to the master? Because they have no rights in and of themselves. Bond slave takes on the lowly tasks. A bond slave isn't looking for things that can advance their status or the funny thing is that there's nothing that's below a bond slave. Jesus did something that was so fascinating and phenomenal that it's been written about in secular books again and again and again. And it would be nearly impossible to take even a secular course on leadership that didn't discuss what Jesus Christ did. It's sometimes referred to as servant leadership, but it's just the way that slaves act. You see, the apostles, they had come in for the Passover feast, which would, we now know as, as the Last Supper. And always, when they came in to a meal to sit down at a table, they would generally sit down on a table that was on the floor. They'd usually sit uh, cross-legged. And if you've been in Hawaii for any length of time, you wear slippers all day, and you come home and you jump in the shower, you realize your feet are filthy. and like, ooh, that was on my feet. That's gross. Yeah, they were walking on dirt roads. And so their, their feet were nasty, and they'd be sitting cross-legged beside other people, and feet are gross anyways, but you take dirty feet, they're even grosser, right? So there was always a slave boy or slave girl at the door when you came in that would wash your feet. But this was a borrowed room, and when they got there, there wasn't anybody there to wash feet. And they're all sitting around going like, oh, who's going to wash feet? <laughs> Not going to be me. I mean, James and John thought they were going to be on the left and right hand of the, the Father in, in heaven, you know? Do they really think they're washing feet at this get-together? No. And Peter's like, ah, oh, it's not really my thing, washing feet, so we'll wait and see who does it. And Jesus got up, took a towel, placed it around himself, grabbed a basin of water, and started washing feet. And they flipped out. What is he doing? Like, what is he doing? That's a slave's job. That's, that's beneath us, especially him. Look at him. And here's what Jesus says, John chapter 13, verse number 12. So after he washed their feet, he'd taken his garments and was set down again. He said unto them, know what I've done unto you? You call me master and Lord. And you say, well, for so that I am. If I then your Lord and master have washed your feet, you also ought to wash one another's feet. For I've given you an example that you should do as I've done to you. Verily, verily, I say unto you, the servant is not greater than his Lord. 
word servant, you've got doulos, slave. Neither is he that sent greater than he that sent him. If you know these things, happier you that do them. He's saying, hey, there's no job that's too low for you. You're a slave. Do you think you're better than your master? And Jesus was showing them, I know I'm the boss. I know I'm in charge. You call me master because that's who I am. You call me Lord because that's who I am. But, lest any of you think that you're something, I want to show you what humility looks like. And Jesus, being in the form of God, thought it not robbery to be equal with God, but took upon himself the form of a slave. And what did he do? He washed feet. He's saying, guys, I realize that I'm Lord and Master. I know that I'm the boss. I know that I don't have to do this, but I'm showing you guys that none of you are above your master. Not one of you. And Jesus is saying, if I'm willing to submit to the authority of the Father, you should be willing to submit to the authority of your Lord and Master as well. A bond slave serves at the pleasure of the Master. A bond slave doesn't do things for himself or things that he would like to do. He just does what he's told. The usefulness of a bond slave would be determined by the level of obedience. Are you doing what you're supposed to be doing? Jesus said this in in Luke chapter 17. Does he thank that servant or slave because he did the things that were commanded to him? I trow or I think not. So likewise, you, when you've done all those things which are commanded you, say, we are unprofitable servants. We have done that which is our duty to do. Let me explain that for you. If you passed out one of our cool little green cards this week that has the gospel on it, you invited somebody to church. First of all, two thumbs up for that. Keep up the good work. It's an awesome thing. But you passed out a gospel tract this week and you shared your faith. Should we bring you up to the platform and clap for you? Should we make a big deal and throw a party and and have confetti cannons because you you passed out a gospel tract this week? No, it was your job. Did you read the Bible this week? Way to go, buddy. You did it. No, that's your job. What do you, what do you want us to do? You want us to throw you a party? You want, you want a button to wear this week? That's what he's saying. You know what you should say? <laughs> Here's what Jesus says. I'm not, this is not me trying to be harsh or be mean. This is what Jesus says. You should say, we are unprofitable servants. We just did that which was our duty to do. That's it. Sometimes people leave leave a service and say, oh, pastor, that was a great message. You know what I say? Hey, that was 100% God's word because it's a really good book. I had nothing to do with that whatsoever. You know why? I am an unprofitable servant. I only did that which was my duty to do. Please don't pat me on the back for that. Let's do my job. That's what a, a bond slave does. I'm not trying to do what I want. I'm just doing what I was told. When I was in the, the, the Navy, <laughs> you got these guys that come to the end of their, their tour and they get ready to transfer to a different place. And we always have these award ceremonies where we give these people end of tour awards. Congratulations to, to Petty Officer Smith. He showed up to work every single day and was only late 12 times and only got written up three times. And we give him a letter of appreciation. You know. What? We give this guy the, 
Navy Achievement. And they ended up just calling them end of tour awards, right? Because what did you do? You, you stuck your three years out, and when you left, we gave you something that you could put on your uniform to wear the next place. That's it. You didn't really do anything. And, and God's saying this, like, I don't hand out meaningless awards. Just do your job. And you know where your reward is? Oh, this is beautiful. You know where your reward is? It's in heaven. You'll get it one day. Just not here. Here, we're just bond slaves. Here, we just do what the master tells us to do. And even Jesus used his deity as an opportunity to serve the father. Jesus was God in the flesh, but he didn't do his own thing. He did what the father told him to do. Totally subservient to the master. Really just the next, the bond slave only seeks the approval of the master. You know, a bond slave doesn't really care what other masters think about him. A bond slave doesn't really care about his popularity amongst other slaves. He just says this, what does the master think about what I did? Did I do a good job today? Did I please him? I think about what Jesus says in John chapter 8, verse number 28. Then Jesus said unto them, when you've lifted up the Son of Man, you shall know that I am he, and that I do nothing of myself, but my Father hath taught me. But as my Father hath taught me, I speak these things. Here's what Jesus says. Hey, guys, at the end of the day, I'm not doing my own thing. I'm not saying my own things. I'm just doing what the Father says. And he that sent me is with me. The Father hath not left me alone, for I do always the things that please him. Hmm. Imagine you and I have the idea that everything I'm going to do this week, everything this week, I'm only going to do the things that please the master. That's it. So the places that I normally go, I don't know that I'm going to go there if it doesn't please the master. The hobbies that I'm involved in, my extracurricular activities, do those things please the master or not? If not, I'm not going to do those things this week. The words that come out of my mouth, are those words that are pleasing to the master? If not, I'm probably not going to say those things this week. The music that I listen to, does that please the master? The people I spend time with and hang out, does that please the master? Because I only want to do the things that please him. That's what Jesus says. And Jesus was putting on a clinic on how to be a good bond slave. I'm only doing the things that the fathers told me. I'm only saying the things that the father told me. And I'm only doing the things that please him. <laughs> Paul said in Galatians chapter 1, For do not I persuade men or God, do I seek to please men? For if I please men, I should not be the <laughs> servant of Christ. Paul's saying here, I can't play both sides of the fence. I can't please men, yet at the same time be a slave of Jesus Christ. Hmm. You read the, when Jesus says, no man can serve two masters. He'll love one and hate the other, or hate one and cleave to the other. You can't serve God and mammon or money. That word serve, no man can serve two masters. You know the root word of that word serve? It's a verb in that case there, but the root word is the word doulos. No man can be enslaved to two separate masters. Think about that for a second. You can serve two different places. You can have a job that you work Monday through Friday and a job that you work on the weekends. That's not a problem. But you cannot be the purchased property of two separate masters at the same time. You've got to pick one. And Paul says, I can't please men and be a slave to Jesus at the same time. I've got to choose a side. But you see, a bond slave finds joy in service and obedience. Lest you think that being a slave to Jesus is a drag or a bummer, 
you missed the point. The greatest joy that you'll ever have in your life is when you're in a place where you are fully submitted to the will of the Father and doing exactly what the Father's asked you to do. There's no better place in the world to be than that spot right there. And you'll consider it a joy to obey the Father, a joy to be a slave to Jesus Christ. It's the most liberating place you can be in the entire world. And here's what Jesus says. Jesus says, just follow my commandments and guidelines because my commandments are not grievous. My yoke is easy. My burden's light. Following me is not difficult. But sometimes we get the idea that God set up these guidelines for us and these rules that we've got to follow to keep us from having a good time. God says no premarital sex. That means I can't have fun. I can't be like everybody else. It's not that big of a deal. Everybody's doing it. And God's trying to steal my fun. If I'm going to be a slave to Jesus, then I can't have fun. God is not trying to steal your fun. God is trying to protect the joy of your future marriage. God is trying to, to protect you from the emotional devastation that comes from sexual promiscuity. He's trying to help you, not hurt you. That's when, again, the idea that we have a, a master who's got a, a whip over us being angry and mean and spiteful that's not our father that's not our master our master says hey don't play in the street because you're going to get hit by a car oh what a jerk i can't play in the street like the other kids no you're going to live and the other kids are going to die simple as that well i can't go out and get drunk anymore because i'm following jesus what a bummer is it a bummer i don't think so if you take a look at the negative effects of alcohol we don't have time for it but good grief Nothing good comes from alcohol. And God's trying to protect you from a life of misery, discouragement, depression, addiction. He's trying to protect you. When God tells you to love your wife the way that Jesus loved his church, he's not trying to, to make you love somebody that's unlovable. He's trying to help you find joy in your marriage. He's trying to help you be like Jesus too. So again, a real bond slave considers it a, de a delight to obey. My wife, Angela, and I, man, 20 years ago, we went forward to the church service, we knelt at an altar, and we prayed a simple prayer just like this. God, whatever you tell us to do, we're just going to do it. And we made a decision two decades ago to be bond slaves to Jesus Christ. And that has informed every single solitary decision we've ever made since then. Ever. So much. In 2011, I came home from a church service and I told Angela, I feel like God's calling us to plant a church in Honolulu. She said, how sure are you? I said, 100%. She said, have you prayed about it? I said, I fasted and prayed for the last 90 days and there's no doubt in my mind this is what we're supposed to do. And she said, done. Do you want to talk about that? She said, is there anything to talk about? Well, I think there's a lot to talk about. But and she said... If God says we go, we go. And I thought to myself in that moment, yeah, of course. She didn't say, what about the house we just bought? Where will our kids go to school? Where will we live? Have you even looked at housing in Honolulu lately? It's not quite cheap. She didn't ask, you know, what do we do with our dog? She didn't ask, you know, what, what about our son who's starting college next year? Not one of those questions ever came up in that moment. 
Now, we would talk about that six months later or a year later, all those discussions we'd have later. But in the moment, it was this. If God says we're going to go, then we're just going to go. You know why? Because a bond slave doesn't get to pick and choose when they want to obey. Hmm, I don't really know if that works out with like the plans that I had going on there. Can I get a different plan? No. A bond slave says, on it. And I'm telling you this, the greatest joy that we have had in our entire life has been in obedience to the master. That when he says go, because he knows what he's talking about, 100% of the time. Finally, a bond slave status was always related to the status of the master. Again, because a bond slave was uh, considered a lower rung in society, because a bond slave wasn't necessarily a noble profession, but there was even status and nobility amongst slaves. And you know what it was? Who do you belong to? Because it was much more... I guess you could say advantageous or a little bit of status if you belong to somebody important. Oh, you're the slave of the governor? Oh, okay. That's impressive. Oh, you're the slave of the dude that sells, you know, blankets on the corner down there? <laughs> Please. Oh, you're a slave that belongs to the mayor. You actually sit at his table and have dinner every night? That's impressive. And so... Even among slaves, they could have a level of status, not based on who they were, but based on who they belong to. So imagine that you're the slave of the king of kings and the lord of lords. That's not a bad place to be. Imagine you're the slave of the one who created the world by speaking it into existence. That's not really a bad place to be. Imagine you're a slave of one who has promised to love you and care for you and never leave you or forsake you and to treat you as his own son and daughter. That's not a bad person to be in service to. If you take a look at the openings of the majority of the New Testament. You know, in James open up, opens up James 1.1. 1, 1. James was the half-brother of Jesus Christ. Mary was his mother, Joseph was his father, and Jesus was his half-brother because Jesus' father was the Holy Spirit. When James opens up James 1.1, 1, 1, he does not say, James, half-brother of Jesus. I mean, if anybody knows Jesus, it's me. I mean, if anybody, like, like I shared a room with a guy, I ate dinner with a guy. I mean, like, if anybody knows Jesus, it's me. No, what did James say when he opened up James 1.1? Here's what he said. James, a servant of God and the Lord Jesus Christ. Servant, doulos. James, just a slave of God and not my big brother Jesus, the Lord Jesus Christ. Second Peter 1.1. 1, 1. What did Peter say? What were Peter's credentials? Peter preached the day of Pentecost. Pre Peter, one of the top three closest to Jesus Christ. Peter, James, and John, closest three in the inner circle of the apostles. Peter, the guy that preached, 3,000 people saved, baptized, added to the church the very first day that I preached. Holy Spirit fell from heaven. People spoke in languages that they didn't know. People were coming out of the woodwork to get saved. Yeah, that was me, Peter. No, what does he say in 2 Peter 1.1? Peter, a servant and apostle of Jesus Christ. Servant, doulos, slave of Jesus Christ. Paul, Titus 1.1. 1, 1. 
Paul doesn't say to Titus, he's writing a pastoral epistle from one pastor to another. He doesn't say, Paul, church planter extraordinaire. Titus, I've planted more churches than you'll ever be in your entire life. Buddy, let me tell you something about life. Paul, a servant of God, an apostle of Jesus Christ. Paul writes to the church at Rome, a church that he's never been to before. Paul has never been to the church at Rome, and so he writes a letter before he goes to visit. Romans 1.1, Paul, a servant, a slave of Jesus Christ, called to be an apostle, separated under the gospel of God. Philippians 1.1, where we're at. Paul and Timotheus, the servants of Jesus Christ, to all the saints in Jesus Christ, which are Philippi with the bishops and deacons. Paul and Timothy, just slaves of Jesus here. But here's the thing. They didn't say that as a derogatory term. They didn't say that as a put down on themselves. They boasted about it. Hey, we are slaves of Jesus. Friend, don't ever be ashamed of being a slave of Jesus. Never. It's a badge of honor to wear. Now, don't wear it with pride because pride is sin. But I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. I'm not embarrassed about being a Christian. I get to serve the Lord. I don't have to serve him. I get to. Slavery then was, uh, one author put it this way, and this is beautiful. Slavery then was a social relationship between two persons where one had nothing, willed nothing, and received nothing but what the master authorized, desired, and provided. Oh, my soul. That's it. I got nothing. I don't want nothing. I'm not going to get anything other than what the master wants for me because I'm just, just a slave. The parable that Jesus tells the, the slaves that were faithful, the parable of the talents where he says, been faithful in a few things, I'm going to make you ruler over many. And it's a picture of the rewards that we'll receive at the end of our life as we stand before Jesus Christ. <laughs> but understanding what we've looked at today, the phraseology takes on a little bit of a different meaning now. Because the master said to the servant, which is a picture of God the Father speaking to us when we enter into eternity, well done, my good and faithful, what's the word there? Slave, doulos. You've been faithful over a few things. I'm going to make you ruler over many. Enter now into the joy of the, what's the word there? Lord, master. Mm. Slave, You've been faithful over a few things. I'm going to make you ruler over many. Enter now into the joy of the master. Oh my goodness. All this is designed for our joy and for the glory of God. That's it. We get to be slaves to a loving, caring, benevolent, merciful, gracious father not just a slave master, but he's adopted us into his family. We don't serve tables and then run away and eat at a lower table. We've been invited to sit at the king's table. And we're able to be there because we've been adopted into the family as sons and daughters. And all he asks from us is service. Romans chapter 12, verse number one, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable which is your reasonable, what's the word there? Service. Yep. Man, we get to serve God. 
few questions I want to give you to think on this week. First of all, if Jesus submitted himself as a bond slave to the Father, why can't I? What's keeping you back from being fully committed? Have you, have you either heard of somebody before you've said before, like, oh, that dude, he's a real deal. He's a sold-out Christian. As if that's like some anomaly. Like, that's like different category, next-level Christianity. No, no, no. That's like minimum requirements, sold-out Christian. That's minimum requirements, bond-slave-level Christian. That's, that's expected of us. That's not an anomaly. If God the Son can do that, why can't I? Do I think that I'm better than God the Son? Do I think I'm better than Jesus? That I don't have to submit to his authority? Next. Am I submitted to the master in some areas but not others? Maybe you're willing to be submitted in your church attendance, but you're not really willing to be submitted in your tithing or your giving. I want to be submitted in my giving, but I don't want to be submitted in my evangelism or sharing of the gospel. That kind of scares me. I'm willing to share the gospel, but I don't really want to attend church faithfully. I'm willing to obey in this area, but maybe not others. When Angela and I first started walking with Jesus, we were really immature Christians, and I was willing to give Jesus my Sunday mornings. I would give him maybe one Sunday night a month. Uh, I was willing to, to give the tithe. I, I was brought up my whole life that the tithe belongs to the Lord. You always give that first and foremost without question. So even when we were rebellious, carnal Christians, we always gave, always. But my music, that was off limits. The movies that I watched, totally off limits. That was my thing. The friends that I hung out with, my thing. I gave God his Sunday morning. I'm giving him the tithe. The rest of it's mine. That's not lordship. That's not submitting to his authority. That's making an agreement. And let me tell you this, God doesn't make bargains with anybody. You're either a bond slave or you're not. There's no middle ground like, I'll, I'll be a bond slave on Sundays, but not the rest of the week. No. So is there areas of your life that you're willing to be submitted, but other areas that you're not? I would tell you this, it's not worth hanging on to. You'll never find joy in being a half-hearted, committed Christian, ever. You just won't. But you will find everything that you're looking for when you fully submit to his authority. Next, are you trying to serve two masters? Because <laughs> you can't. You're going to love the one and, and hate the other. Or you're going to hate the one and cleave to the other, but you can't serve two masters. You can try. You'll be miserable. You can try to do the Christian thing most of the, the week and then do your own thing or live for the world the rest of the week or do what makes you happy the rest of the week. You can try that for a minute. Let me just tell you, it's a lot of disappointment and discouragement. Guaranteed. final thought am i living a life that's liberated and am i living in the freedom from my sin again romans 6 is so incredibly clear that you've been set free from your old slave master's sin but here's what romans 6 also says yield not yourselves as members unto unrighteousness but yield yourself as members to righteousness that means you get the opportunity to choose whether or not you go back to your sin or not so you've been set free from your old master, sin. And you're now free to serve your new master, Jesus. But many times we want to go back to our old master. We thought that there was fun there, but we realized there's not really any fun there. And here's what the Bible says. I love, I love God's word. It's so rich. Just as a dog returns to its vomit, so a fool returns to their folly. 
when you go back to your master thinking that there's still a little bit of fun to squeeze out of that, you're, you're a fool. You're living foolishness. You're not walking in wisdom. You're a fool. There's no fun to be had there. Uh, the Bible goes so far as to say this, what joy did you think that there would be in those things which you should actually be ashamed of? I can't tell you how many times people have said, oh, man, I just missed my college days. I was going out and drinking and partying and having fun and sleeping around. just had not a care in the world. Do you really miss that? If so, you've never really tasted the joy of serving Jesus if that is the, the least bit appealing to you. Because when I tasted Jesus, I don't want anything of my past because I found what my heart craves. Fulfillment, love, joy, acceptance, unconditional love grace, mercy, because I'm where I need to be. Maybe you're here today and you're not saved. Friend, you are a slave to your sin and you can't get out of that if you wanted to of your own. Submit yourself to the Lordship of Jesus today and say, I believe that I'm a sinner. I believe that, that I deserve to go to hell. I believe that I have been a slave to my sin, but I, today I'm making a change and I choose to follow Jesus. I submit myself to his lordship. And if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus, you will be saved. That's a Bible promise. Maybe you need to be saved today. If you're saved, Jesus Christ is your savior. Praise God. Is he your Lord? It's a valid question to ask. Why, why do you call me Lord, Lord, if you don't do the things that I say, Jesus asked. You'll find joy in submitting to his lordship, no doubt about it. So this week, think about this. I'm not doing my own thing this week. I'm just doing what the master asked me to do. I'm not going my own way. I'm not making my own plans. I just want to do the things that please my master. Thanks for joining us for the Hui Kala Baptist Church podcast. We'd love to have you as our guest this Sunday morning at 10 a.m. You'll find exciting classes for your keiki, a welcoming church family, and a message from the Bible that's sure to encourage your heart. Join us this Sunday. You belong here.